and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, uh, doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, my other podcast is doing very well. Yes, I know. Uh, yeah, um, and, the, and I don't, I don't want to spend all day talking about it, but uh, my other podcast is called Previously On. It's about TV. I do it with my friend Sean. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You should check it out on iTunes. Apparently a lot of you already are. I appreciate it. Keep up the good work. And, uh, I also do a podcast. It's called More Than One Lesson. Mm-hmm. It's, uh... It's film criticism from a Christian perspective. If it was you nominated were, for a, a podcast. It was, it was not, they're not <laughs> called that. It was nominated for a podcast award. There's probably a reason they're not called that. If, if, <laughs> if, you, uh, if you enjoyed the Doug Jones episode of Battleship Pretension, uh-huh. head on over to More Than One Lesson because he was on there as well. Uh, it's a good show. I really enjoy it. You're all welcome to go listen to it. You don't have to be Christian to listen to it. <laughs> That's not a requirement. <coughs> so, yeah, I've got one, too, for those who are listening to this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yes, previously on, um, it's, uh, it's been featured on, uh, on iTunes. Yeah. It's outranking you and, you and I, David. You for, and me? You and me. But you and me. For now. For now. We're, we're the institution here. Previously I don't know. This on, could be, uh, you know, Young Turks. Hey, this spinoff of yours could be like Frasier. All right, we're Cheers, but you know what? There's an entire generation of people. All they know is Frasier. Huh? Yeah, you're right. Think about it. Um, I dream about it every night. <laughs> um, but no, that's that's the the happy news this week. But there is sad news this week. Ah, uh, yes, well. there is. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of. I guess people on the internet like us, mm-hmm. uh, who are somewhat—I don't know—who uh, aim for irreverence, like we often do. Yeah. Uh, child actors are sort of a a favorite target of that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I really hope that at least part of the internet has learned a lesson this week. Uh, from the death of Andrew Koenig. Yeah. Um, because he was, uh, you know, he was, of course, on, on Growing Pains. Uh, that was his sort of, uh, that's what most people know him from. Mm-hmm. But for the past two years, he was the, the video guy and a, and a comedic presence on the Never Not Funny podcast. Right. Uh, which is really what I, cause I, I'm a, like a little too young for Growing Pains. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, didn't really watch it. Um, I remembered his character. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember it, but uh, it didn't, uh, you know, uh, I knew Andrew Koenig as Andrew Koenig, AK-47, from right. from Never Not Funny. and He also played the Joker in a uh, short uh, film called Batman Dead End yeah, that which, I actually saw back in college and really enjoyed, and uh, and he was very good in that. Yeah, uh, and that's a, that's a really fun little film, too. Yeah. Um, but... It's it's just uh, the the lesson I'm hoping we learned is just because these people are these former child stars and perhaps they do have troubles that stem from that or maybe from something completely unrelated. You know, I think I don't think a- uh, Andrew Koenig's depression came from the fact that he was uh, that he had played boner. Right, uh, right. I, I think he had you know he had problems and but he also had uh, a life and a career and. Uh, and loved ones, incidentally. And loved one, yeah. Uh, well, after 
yeah. his time on television. And um, I'm very glad. I'm very thankful to Never Not Funny that I that they let me get to know through the podcast at least Andrew yeah. Koenig in this uh, in at least some way. Yeah, and I did. I, I did get to meet him once at the podcast. I thought he was a perfectly nice guy. Yeah, I I once said like two words to him uh, outside uh, uh, one of Jimmy Pardo's shows at the UCB, and uh, and yeah, he was perfectly cordial. Um, and it's uh, yeah, and and in reading, you know, it's it's this might actually be able to lead into another of the topics that I wanted to talk about at the top of the show. Um, the internet is a wonderful and terrible place. Uh-huh. And, um, and in reading, you know, bec- okay. So Andrew Koenig was, he was on never not funny and he was Jimmy Pardo's brother-in-law mm-hmm. and Jimmy Pardo has been on this show mm-hmm. and he's friends with a lot of people that have been on this show. Sure. Yeah. That, of course, that doesn't mean that he was a friend of ours or anything like that. I mean, I'm not trying to say like, Hey, this is a deep loss for us. Nothing like that. But when, when someone, you know, and are, you know, friendly with has lost somebody important to them all of a sudden like you you realize and when this person like when it's on a national level there are a lot of news stories about him you realize like i know somebody who's close with this man it takes on such a different tone all of Mm -hmm. a sudden and i realize you know if i still lived in chicago would i have been one of those snarky assholes well you would have like, been a, you would have been a never not funny listener so probably not. right yeah fair <laughs> enough yes yes um but at the same time like if you looked at like and we haven't actually talked about anything in specific but there are like commenters on tmz and yeah. all this kind of that's what got me thinking about and this. on like, uh, onion av club oddly enough oh which, well they're the worst the people who comment on onion av club yeah. i don't know where they find these these people yeah it's the AV club is is intelligent and its commenters are largely not yeah i don't understand because <laughs> I read the AV Club and I love it. Uh-huh. It would seem that these guys love it too. I don't understand how this is working, but but just in yeah. general, like where is the like where on the Venn diagram <laughs> of humanity does the Onion AV Club fall that both you and these monsters <laughs> yeah. are reading it, and enjoying it? Yeah, I mean, and and David saying monsters is it's a little hyperbolic, not much, uh-huh. because I mean there are people when it was first announced that he was that. Uh, Andrew was missing um, you know there was someone who'd say, who on like the AV Club comment board I had to stop reading because it really it really upset me because mm-hmm. somebody had said like, said like I hope he's dead <laughs> you know and just like it's like oh uh, uh, boner down or something like and just like this is a person yeah first off why would you ever say that you wish someone dead even like jokingly yeah it, I don't know I just I didn't understand it and like in it since a friend of mine, I remember a, a friend of mine who had moved out to Hollywood. I was still in Chicago. He came to visit, and he said that living out here really changed the way he talked about celebrities, because Most he came to realize that he might he first off like he might know celebra- a celebrity that somebody else badmouths, or he might know someone who knows them, and all of a sudden you realize. They're just regular people doing a job. And yes, they're famous. And they might be eccentric or whatever. Who cares? Everyone's eccentric. And mm-hmm. it just and it really like bothered him and it changed the way he, he talks about about fi- about like uh film at, in the sense of like he didn't want to trash it so much anymore. And about celebrities because he come came to realize that 
everyone has friends and they're all just regular people. And so like, and I, I've really come to realize that as well living out here. But, um, but in this specific instance, like I've really come to realize just how frustrating and depressing the internet can be. Yeah. So we, in an attempt to be a ray of positivity on the internet, our, yeah. our hearts go out to, to Jimmy and Matt and yeah. Pat Francis and Bill Dwyer and Jimmy Dore and all the people that have been on our show yeah. that that knew Andrew. Yeah, and uh, and of course the just the Koenig family in general, whom sure. I've unfortunately never met. I haven't even met Danielle, and she seems like a delight. I've met her twice. She is a delight. She seems yeah, she seems like it. But uh, Danielle, for those who don't know, is Andrew Koenig's sister. Right, right. She wrote for Invader Zim. She sure did, and did I think a couple of voices on it? I think you're right. Yeah. But um, so anyway, moving. You said that would lead us into another topic. It would. Um, and this is going to sound. Speaking of of you know the subjectivity uh, involved in what we're discussing. Um, so, friend of the show, Greg Helvey, is nominated mm-hmm. for an Academy Award. Woo! Very exciting. I think we've mentioned that a lot. We've mentioned <laughs> it a lot. Um, and and it's and it's just really exciting. Uh, I saw him today at church, and he looks like he is about to drop dead because he's so exhausted uh-huh. from doing all the things that he's needed to do does like he I have think, a tux i didn't ask that whom is he wearing i would have to assume some kind of rented tux <laughs> um but uh but like i think he has like a manager now you know just you got to get while the getting's good really sure. and so like he had a bunch of agents calling him and a bunch of managers and stuff and so uh but either way that's that's neither here nor there but um but it's interesting because i was uh so uh, if you look at the Internet Movie Database, you'll see that, uh, you know, if you click on external reviews, you'll see a list of the various, you know, places that have reviewed uh, a certain movie. Kavi, uh-huh. uh, up until the Oscar nominations, there was, I think, one place that had reviewed it. Now there's a couple, but, but you can find reviews of it elsewhere. And, um, and I read a review for it in uh, The Village Voice. And, of course, it was not an extended review. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and you know what, actually the village voice wasn't even, wasn't even real mean about it, but like, um, but I read one and it was on uh, just a, a blog online, uh-huh. um, that was just really kind of cruel about it, about the film, about how much they didn't like it and stuff like that. And, um, and it fascinated me and, and I, I felt frustrated, not just because yes, a friend of mine made the film and not even, not even necessarily because I like the film. But, and this, I don't know, this might lead to a debate. You might actually disagree with me. But, friend of the show, okay, friend of the show, Jimmy Dore, I was reading an, uh, an interview with him, that, and he said something that was really interesting to me, in which he mentioned that he gets really bothered when comedians make fun of homeless people. As you were just saying, it's, it's, and it's funnier if you aim up. If you aim up. It's like, there are politicians and, like, lobbyists and like people that are doing bad things and are in a position of power why on earth would you not want to take them down and yeah, so, so it's but it's okay to not like a movie it's perfectly okay to not like a movie but what you're saying is it's it's what are you saying the, these are short these are short films that that like these filmmakers probably made on their own dime and they and they certainly aren't making any money off of it, and I understand mm-hmm. they're nominated, which instantly kind of puts them up on a pedestal, 
And so people might want to say, like, well, is this really the best? I understand that, absolutely. I guess I'd have to read the review you're, you're talking about. Okay. Because it, was, it just seems... I still think, I mean, you still need to judge a film on its own merits. Absolutely. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But absolutely. you're saying there's some sort of yeah. meanness. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I brought up the Village Voice. It wasn't even that mean. It just said that they, that they thought uh, the execution of the film was dull, which I, don't, I certainly don't agree with. Right. But at the same I mean, time, but that's not necessarily mean. But uh, there was an online review... Um, and for the life of me, I don't remember where. Because yeah, I for found the record, it. I did like Kavi a lot. I remember telling because right. I watched it here before right. Greg came over that day. I remember telling you like, "Oh, I'm so glad it's good." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, and but just in general, it, it seems weird to me. Like if you're going to be really mean, and you know what, I don't even remember if I found this review through IMDb. Um, I think I'm. I think Greg may have said, "Hey, this is really funny. Actually, read this review of what they thought of my movie." He has a good attitude about it. Good for him. Yeah, but I, um, so do I. Whenever we get a negative review, I guess it depends. Not only on do I t- laugh at it, I kind of love it. It dep- I know. <laughs> I don't. I I get frustrated. But just in general, like it just. And I'm sure that the the website that gave Kavi a bad review also gave Transformers Two a bad review. That's fine. But it's just like you know these these guys are not. They're not big fat targets. They're just like many of them. Not so much uh, these days because sometimes like an actor will decide a, a known actor will decide he wants to make a film or something like that. But oftentimes it will be a no name filmmaker just kind of doing something for the first time and it's memorable and all of a sudden it gets nominated. I, I am, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit okay. here. here. Here's what I'm saying. Okay. The, the problem here is not uh, to whom this reviewer in quotes, mm-hmm. is being mean. Right. Uh, it's the fact that they're being mean because... I suppose, uh, yeah. A film critic is not a comedian. It's okay for a comedian to be mean because right. he's being funny, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, a film critic needs to review the film that he's seen. Right. To be mean, whether you're being mean to Greg Helvey or to Roland fucking Emmerich, <laughs> um, <laughs> is uh, unprofessional. Right. You just need to review the film. Although it should be noted that you did not say Greg fucking Helvey. You did, like, even... I'm not, uh, like, I, I'm not a film critic right now. I'm Oh, you're just a guy. I'm a film snob. Oh, well, okay. I'm not a film critic. This is not a criti- criticism show. Right, right. If we were reviewing a film... Right. Uh, as we uh, we have partaken in the, in the in the Slash Filmcast... Right. You know? And that's a great example. Okay. First time we were on the Slash Filmcast, we saw State of Play, which right. I hated. Yes. And I, d- I also did not like it. Um... And, but at no point did I say anything like, did I like denigrate the filmmaker? These people should be ashamed of themselves. Right. You never said that. And so is that the sort of tone that you're saying this this blogger? Had? Uh, maybe not quite that extreme, but just really just said like everything is just so, just so obvious, and this movie's terrible, and just like, well, that's really really hyperbolic. It sounds like maybe it's not a very good review. I mean, like uh, no written review. No, no, but. Uh, but it just uh i don't know, and i guess maybe that's maybe that's the thing is i feel like uh, you should try to be positive in in a, in a review as much as as you can regardless of who I you're think talking you should try about to be, but uh, honest not, as well i don't think you should try to be positive as much as you should try to be uh even keeled even keeled honest uh, so i i think i i don't think i totally agree with you because okay. i still think that the person is within his rights to say a film is terrible if he thinks it's right. terrible i don't know i just I don't know why, and and again, maybe it's because I know the director, mm-hmm. or maybe it's just I don't know. I, I when we were uh, talking with uh, Graham and Chris a few weeks ago, and they were talking about you know uh, what a short film director often is. It just 
I don't know. I somehow somehow there is a difference between a cynical Michael Bay or Roland Emmerich film in which just like and eh, just uh, put in a lot of effects, they'll see whatever. Like you can tell the tone of that mm-hmm. as opposed to and and they put a lot of money into it, fully expecting that the idiots in the in this country are gonna see the are gonna see it. They're gonna make all their money back, and then they're just gonna make another one. They don't care, like that kind of the kind of cynicism that goes into that. I think deserves to be perhaps hyperbolically discouraged. Whereas whereas like somebody who, of course, I guess you can find that kind of cynicism in a short film, but probably won't find the budget behind it. Yeah. But like you know, a, a short film. Chances are the person is making it because they just really love movies, and this is the only way they can do it. And to really like crap on them, I, I you need to be honest, absolutely. But to go out of your way to be negative when you have a negative response to it, but to go out of your way to be overly mean about it, it's just like this person could get better, but your meanness might actually discourage an amazing filmmaker from making another film. I don't know. It's yeah. Well, I doubt it. I, I doubt d- it's actually going to discourage Greg at all. No, he's no. Clearly, he. Uh, you know, and if they were going to get discouraged by that, then yeah, they, maybe they shouldn't be making movies. I think you know what it comes down to is, uh, as you know, David. Like, there's a, I, I happen to fall into a lot of categories in this in this uh-huh. world uh, that have not been well represented, often by themselves. Uh, for example, like I'm kind of conservative. I'm a Christian, uh-huh. I'm white, uh-huh. I'm a man, I'm straight. There's a lot of things going on here. And I'm a critic. And there's and so anytime like another critic uh or another Christian or another uh conservative or something does something like it's like Ugh, that's awful. You're making me look bad. Uh-huh. This is why people don't like us. Uh I think I have a knee jerk reaction just like Look, I realize you're just trying to be funny for your dumb friends or something, but like, <laughs> come on now, because this because people when I when I say what I wanted what I want to do and what I'm doing with my life, this is what people are going to think of. And they're going to be like, oh, what a prick. <laughs> I don't know. So sorry, everybody, for uh, kind of rambling about that. Well, speaking of what you want to do with your life, it's, it involves watching movies, right? Right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, top heavy show here we go <laughs> yeah i got uh, one more mini topic but it, this actually relates to our main topic so i'm going to tease the main topic before we get to the main topic okay i have never seen any of the mad max films okay which is going to be a hindrance when we talk about to get to today's topic one could make the argument maybe we shouldn't talk about it <laughs> it'll be fine though it'll be fine um uh but i very much intend to someday yeah. I, a lot of my there's a lot on my list yeah uh but you were you were talking about uh before when we just in our discussion before we started recording mm-hmm. um in reference to a few things uh one of them being the fact that over a year ago I lent you in the mood for love and you watched it this week over a year and a half ago <laughs> i believe you lent it to me uh when we uh, shortly after we recorded episode 60 <laughs> which was the Zhang Yimou and you brought up right. Wong Kar Wai right and uh so you said hey here you go you'll like this i'm like i'm sure i will jerk i'll just throw it in my closet <laughs> um <clears throat> so uh and, and i also this this week finally watched uh fw where now is the last laugh mm-hmm. uh which is brilliant yeah uh just astounding that that yeah. was happening in 1924 yeah it's astounding anyway back to the topic at hand we'll yeah. talk about last last some other day yeah 
but you were talking about how great it feels to finally watch a movie you've been meaning to watch for a long time. It really, it's... I, I wrote a blog about this a, a while ago, um, I think at the beginning of the summer, maybe even earlier than that, um, in which... When, okay, so David and I went to film school, and when you graduate, and, and in film school, you have no choice about the films that you watch part of the curriculum and you're forced to watch them and you're like this is amazing this is awesome and it's movies <laughs> that you either never were interested in or just hadn't even heard of uh-huh. and then all of a sudden they're like one of your favorite movies of all time um and so when you graduate there is you know uh, i'm sure i feel like i mentioned this even recently there's a tendency to just kind of be like all right well i've learned what i've learned in film school i will now apply that to the movies that i see in life and like everybody else, often what's easiest is what you'll gravitate towards. I know that that's kind of the, the case for me, watching newer movies in the theater and ones that, are, that interest me. And even if they're movies that would be challenging for other people, they're not necessarily challenging for me because there's still something that are, that's motivated by my interest in them. Mm, right. Uh, as opposed to what I feel, what people have been saying is good, whether, I li- whether I'm interested or not. And so, um, so it's kind of, when you graduate, it's kind of on you to educate yourself and to keep, keep in practice, you know? And so, uh, so at the beginning of the summer, I said like, all right, this is it. This is my year. I, at the time I had just been laid off Uh and I had a lot of time on my hands. Like I'm going to, I'm going to finally get around to seeing these movies. Um, and it took me like a month or two to actually like get into it, but, um, now that I am, excuse me, I have seen a lot of movies that I've been meaning to see for forever. For example, I finally saw It's a Wonderful Life. That was a while ago. Mm-hmm. But um, I saw that. I saw The Last Laugh. I saw Grand Illusion. I saw Rafifi. The 400 Blows. The 400 Blows. Thank you. Last night I finally got around to seeing Diner. Um, there's a lot of movies that I, uh, that I have just been fin- just like, crossing off on the list and and what's neat about it is you i first view it as like a homework assignment and just like ah oh, all right yeah i guess i gotta watch uh watch uh umberto d or something like that <laughs> and then i then i'll be able to cross it off and there you go and then you watch it and you're like right now i remember this movie's astounding that's why i wanted to watch it <laughs> not just you know back before i was beating myself up over the you know choosing to see uh Ocean's 13. I didn't see Ocean's 13. But like and uh and the satisfying element of that's like now that this is this is going to be a little pretentious and probably a little lofty. But like that's part of me now. I can't, uh-huh. you can't unwatch something. As friend of the show Maurice the Marsh has said on Futurama, you watched it, you can't unwatch it. <laughs> um and so it's it's part of who you are and that's one of the things. That's one of the amazing things about movies. And yeah. you actually brought it up uh, a while ago when we had uh, Jason on. That like, it, it's why you don't get upset about ticket prices. Uh-huh. If you see a great movie, like, yeah, I get to de- I get this film for years. Uh-huh. You know, it's not like yeah. you forget it immediately uh, once you leave the no, theater. I, thought I said that. That was really smart. That was pretty smart, David. <laughs> Speaking of smart, of us saying smart things, let's get into the topic. Because I'm sure there's a treasure trove of intelligent things awaiting. So you just said, speaking of smart, of us saying smart things, <laughs> smart, smart, smart things, us, smart saying. Uh, 
It's now, a why Brian Regan esque? <laughs> let's get into it, shall we? Why? Yeah. Uh, why would my not having seen any of the Mad Max uh, films hinder me in this topic? Because we're talking about Mel Gibson, uh, David, and that's what today is all about. <laughs> Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. Let me just look at this list. We're not talking about Mel Gibson, everybody. Um, we're talking about uh, uh, post-apocalyptic films. It has yeah, been... There's uh, been a rash of them lately. There has. Um, but it, is, it has been suggested to us... Which is kind of a us, sign of the apocalypse, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, 2012 is coming up. Yeah. So... And that's, that's yeah. science. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, uh, man, that Roland Emmerich, he's got it worked out. Yeah. Um. Unlike that Greg Helvey son of a bitch. Um, but th- yeah, that's Swagger. right. I'm still angry. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're, I don't know why they're just that, like within a few months of each other, you had The Road and Book of Eli. Uh-huh. But they're, you haven't seen Book of Eli, right? No. I saw it and uh, really enjoyed it. Enjoys a strong word. It's uh-huh. not an enjoyable film, strictly speaking. It's, Often very difficult to watch, much like the road itself. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by that because it's I would say post apocalyptic is usually a subset of sci- of the sci fi genre. Would you I say guess, that's yeah. about right? Yeah, it's it's what's well, it's speculative fiction. Spe- oh, which Look is what you. a lot of science fiction is. It's another one of those smart things <laughs> that you were talking about earlier. <laughs> um. Yeah, but not only was that there, there's 2012, which is not a post-apocalyptic movie. It's a right. it's a during apocalyptic yeah. movie. Um, and then um, Zombieland was yeah. Uh, in fact, I mean that's, that's okay. Let's start there. Okay, zombie movies. Okay, yeah. There's zombie movies first, which is a, a horror genre. Yes, but also sort of almost by definition, most zombie films are post-apocalyptic. Yeah, because it's or at least I guess not, the original Night of the Living Dead is like 2012 during apocalyptic. There's got to be another word for that. Mid apocalyptic? Maybe. Okay. You could just say apocalyptic. Okay. Um <laughs> that doesn't sound fun though. Uh you mean the apocalypse doesn't sound fun? No, none of this sound. Let's not even do this episode. All right. <laughs> Thanks for li- we'll get you next time. Um but uh yeah, and actually, before we, much like every other topic we discuss, I feel like we should almost define. I was about to say define the apocalypse, <laughs> but define like what an apocalyptic film is, because I think the apocalypse is when the world as we know it ends. Okay, you know, so the whole world is what you're talking about. Um, I guess I never really thought about that. Like, uh. In 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 the Night of the Living Dead in the Living Dead series because they all right. sort of take place in the same reality. Yeah, uh, is that just happening in America? Or I don't know, but I I know that Twenty Eight Days Later, for example, seems to just be happening uh, in Great right. Britain. You know, I mean that one guy has that one character has uh, the monologue about how in the U.S. they're just sitting back and watching The Simpsons, uh. um, and so. So I, I included in my list, I included 28 Days Later, but then I started to think like, okay, well, is it just the society of the characters that we're watching, or is it just the whole world? Because I started to think that perhaps one of the key elements of post-apocalyptic films is that there's nowhere you can go to get away from this. Mm-hmm. It's done. There's no 
uh, although the idea of there being a magical place that is untouched that was untouched by the apocalypse that actually pops up from time to time. Yeah, but it's I mean often not really there, you know. The, <laughs> right, right. The the spoilers. The amusement park at the end of of Zombieland is right. not like a, some great safe place. Right. Uh, yeah, I guess that's a spoiler, but it's kind of it's in the trailer. Right, right. <laughs> They're running from zombies in the amusement park. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, so I guess it would have to be something that's worldwide. Yeah, it's it's affected humanity as a whole. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. So, uh, well, let's also talk about um, what about causes of the apocalypse? Okay, right? There's there's zombies. Well, there's I would say yeah, zombies. <laughs> it's always zombies. Um, uh, but usually it's often. It's. It seems like it's often man's fault. Oh yeah. You know, even if it's like the weather, it's because of global warming. Or right, whatever, right. You know, but uh, it could be um, war. Has you know, yeah. uh, or it could be disease. Yeah. You know, like an I'm legend. Um, That's right. Yeah, yeah. Or the stand, um, which is not a movie. Yeah. It's a miniseries, yeah. but still. You just gonna um. let that pass. <laughs> What was that? <laughs> I'm just going to pronounce it, I'm legend. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was okay. I was hoping you would, you would find that funny. Well, I didn't quite catch it right away. Because <laughs> I wrote it on my list that way. <laughs> hey, everybody, I'm legend. What do you think? <laughs> Pretty good, I think. Pretty exciting. Um, yeah, and then there's also, I don't want to get into this uh, immediately, uh, God, uh-huh. for example, the Left Behind series, We'll talk about that later. Is that post-apocalyptic or is that post? That's post-rapture. Post-rapture, but but is that the apocalypse? Uh, I guess I don't know the in, here's, teachings enough because the way I understood. Okay, you know what? Explain the rapture to me. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, hello, everybody. I'm Tyler Smith, and this is more than one lesson. I got David Bax here. <laughs> Going to talk about the rapture. Um, a wonderful film about this is the rapture, which is uh, yeah. better than anyone. Could have thought it would be. But anyway. Yeah, starring um, Will Patton, your favorite. Yeah, he's <laughs> right in there. Um, well, the rapture, there's, uh, there's various, various theories about what it would oh, be. Okay. But, uh, but one, of the, one of the theories that you will find, for example, in Left Behind books, uh, I read five of them while I was working at, uh, at uh, Little Caesar's Pizza, and then I quit, <laughs> and the employee that was lending them to me, I no longer had access to them, and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to continue with this. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Basically, it's the idea that uh, uh, Christ, I'm trying to think, in, in the books, I think, like, people just, Christians just disappear. They're right. gone now. They've been taken to heaven. I think that's, cons- I think in the books so, that's considered the second coming of Christ. I don't recall. So what I'm saying is, is that an apocalypse? Because for the rest of the people, the world is going to go on the way it was going, right? My, or are you saying that a lack it, of Christians would be apocalyptic? It could be. I mean, it's... When it when a huge section of the of the world populace is suddenly gone, mm-hmm. and people are without loved ones or whatever, and all of a sudden, but aren't there only going to be one hundred forty four thousand of them? <laughs> that's that's Mormon, right? Uh, no, that's uh, that's JWs, as my parents call them. Uh, Jehovah's no, Witnesses. Okay, that's right. That's right. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I think there's going to be more than that, but, uh, I don't know. You'd have to talk to them or just wait. They'll come to you. Um, <laughs> but, 
Well, and that's the, that's the thing is that uh, in movies like I guess we're into it now. Um, in movies like Left Behind, it it's the apocalypse in the sense that. <laughs> all right, I'm talking about the movies now. Uh-huh. All right, I don't want any emails to, about me. Um, the fact that I've seen them, by all means, judge me for that. But uh, <laughs> but basically, because you know, like true Christians are the ones that are saying. Hey, maybe such and such is right. It is is not the right thing to do from a political standpoint or whatever. Just you know, they're the ones taking stands on certain things, and so they're all gone. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like taking away almost the uh, societal conscience. And so all of a sudden, in this society, the Antichrist can can rise. Uh, Nikolai something or other in the books. And, um, you know, the Antichrist can rise and 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 he causes a lot of bad things. Um, mm-hmm. And so it becomes apocalyptic and dystopian. So, see, there we go. Was, we found a website that compared uh, that right. kind of rolled them together. Dystopian right. society and post-apocalyptic films. Um, but uh, but, yeah, I would say. I would say that the Left Behind series counts simply because a something global has happened, and and even though it's God that's starting it, it is in response to you know as you said it's still in response to man yeah somehow yeah and so um, so yeah I think uh, I think those still count even though society continues but it does change into something uh, worse for those that are left behind. Okay, of course, something something amoral. Something, oh, there's no question. You wouldn't... Because now, mankind doesn't have morality without Christ, right? Well, I mean, we could just... We could watch Time Changer for the answer to that question. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's the implication. Not that you'll see a lot of, uh, a lot of hardcore immorality in the Left Behind series, because uh, they don't like swear words, among other things. <laughs> so... That's it. I didn't know that. I, I guess I didn't really know what the Left Behind books were about. Yeah. So the characters in the Left Behind books are the ones who did not go. Right. Uh, oh. So. So is there any hope for them? Yeah, because there are some that recognize... Ah, jeez. I'm not up on my revelations as uh, like I used to be. <laughs> I never was. But uh, it's one of those things where it's just... Even in the in the Christian community, I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but there are some Christians that are obsessed with revelations Often to the exclusion of all else. And it's just uh-huh. like, look, it, this is interesting and all that, but uh, it's also vaguely horrifying. So I think I'm going to focus on some of these other things. Live and, in the uh, now. What was that? Live in the now. Na- absolutely. And so, um, but basically that there's the, uh, there's the rapture, uh-huh. and then there's what's called the tribulation, which is like seven years in which uh, those who, you know, for example, there are those who consider themselves Christians, but they're more culturally christian than anything else it has no bearing on their lives and so all of a sudden they find that oh shoot my a lot of my christian friends are gone maybe this maybe i was just kind of saying the words and not thinking not actually believing them okay and so you know when faced with that they would be like oh geez uh maybe i wasn't what i thought i was i better shape up you know but then those christians are so they become christian and then they are subjected to the tribulation because the because then the world will unite. That's when God says, "Answer me these questions three. 
Um, but uh, <laughs> well done, David. Um, okay. And so, well, this is a, this is might not be interesting to anyone but me and your fellow Christians. You know what? Uh, I can't even vouch for that one. <laughs> okay. So let's there's a reason I stayed away from these on my other show. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I apologize uh, for that because then we could get into because there's the idea of uh, pre-trib, trib short for tribulation, pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib rapture because some people say that the rapture will happen after the seven years of tribulation because uh, Christians now have not really had their faith tested. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go on, David. Okay, um, let's let's start talking more about uh, about specific movies. Mm-hmm. Um, well. Do we want to go back to the well? Let's okay. Let's start with the fun one, because in addition to all these, uh, all these other causes, okay, uh, for for the apocalypse, we failed to mention dragons. There we go, <laughs> as right. a cause of the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm of course referring to the awesome, awesome movie Reign of Fire, starring uh, Matthew McConaughey and Christian yes. Bale. Yeah. Starring Matthew McConaughey and his bald head. <laughs> yeah, and, and, a, and a well-chewed cigar. Oh, absolutely. They only had one. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you said fun, I looked at my list and I was like, what could he be talking about? These are not fun mo- There it is. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's such a... If I'm not mistaken, now, there, uh, man awakens the dragon. So it's still... Yeah. Uh, it still is man, you know, caused by man. I guess so, yeah. But, uh, but it's nothing really that I, and I guess he does awaken it by like mining too deep or something like that, you know. Yeah. Um, man, we are never going to learn. Yeah, but mother, mother, mother nature didn't exactly put out signs and say (laughs) no mining beyond this point. (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. Um. But yeah, Rain of Fire, for those who don't know, is a movie in which mankind awakens dragons that have been asleep underground for hundreds of, of years. Yeah. And they take to the skies, and they 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 burn our civilization. They raise it. They raise our civilization. Nice. And then... Uh, now, how do you spell that, David? R-A-Z-E. 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 Yeah. Uh, like the... Like days. <laughs> like days of heaven? Nope. Like school days. Okay. Like dazed and confused. Okay, like days of thunder. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> um, See what I'm talking about? Yeah. Graham and Chris made fun of me for this. The get everything wrong game is lots of fun for me. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so the, the, the it's post-apocalyptic in the sense that uh, all the I mean all the all the luxuries are gone. Right. A. Yeah. Uh, but that's really not even the. Main problem. The main problem is that there are dragons flying around burning people. That's a big problem. Uh, so people kind of have to live uh, indoors, mm-hmm. um, underground in a lot of ways. And yeah. sort of, it. Uh, I mean, this is just part of the aesthetic of the movie, but it takes on a very, very medieval yeah. feel. Yeah. Uh, and yet, it's a lot of fun. It is. And most fun, I think, is when they... they because they 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 don't want it to take on a magical quality. They want to f- say this is this is our reality. Dragons are biological creatures. There's no magic uh-huh. to them. And so, if I'm not mistaken, the reason that they burn everything with their fire breath is because they eat ash. That's right. That's Isn't right. that the reason? I forgot about that. Yeah, now, they eat ash. I'm no biologist, but I somehow don't think that. 
I don't, is there any nutritional value of ash? Well, not to humans. You don't know what the 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 dragon genome <laughs> uh, looks like. Fair enough. I mean, they they barely even started work on the dragon genome project. <laughs> and then, of course, mapping the dragon genome. Right. And then, of course, the dragons burned them all, so they really couldn't finish <laughs> it. But uh, yeah, it is a it is a movie that is just it's. Would, David, would you say it's terrible? No, I love it. No, that that's those those two statements don't necessarily cancel themselves out, cancel each other out. Would you say it's terrible? No, no. Okay, I, I would think it's say intentionally. Uh, it's I mean, it's a little it's a little corny, a little tongue in cheek. You think? Yeah, I think it's intentional. It's a lot of fun. Okay, it is a lot of fun, and it's probably the least depressing of the films we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So let's move on to some depressing films. Um, and let's let's talk about I'm Legend. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, which I, I I never read the book. Right. Um, I never even saw the Omega Man <laughs> or the Last Man on Earth. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I was surprised by how much I liked I Am Legend. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot of, until the end, of course, uh, when it just kind of became much more standard. Yeah, but even that end could have been better if they if this had been human physical human actors on the screen. Right. Right. Uh, it, it lost a lot by having cartoons. The thing that bothers me about I Am Legend has nothing has very little to do with the film itself because, as you mentioned, um, I have also not read the story, but I do know the story. Uh-huh. And do you know the story? It sounds well. I know so the, much more fascinating. The book is set in Los Angeles. Okay, I don't remember that. Not in Manhattan. Okay, I think. Uh, but I do know that. Uh, it actually does have quite a bit in common with The Last Man on Earth. I'm sorry, The Last Man on Earth uh-huh. uh, with uh, Vincent Price. But um, but what I one of the things that the story itself brings to the table in regards to what we're discussing is that it, it basically the idea that certain things no certain things no longer apply when the apocalypse happens. Uh-huh. Certain things that you thought were true aren't you need to change the way you're thinking because when examples comes, examples he is fighting zombies uh vampires in the last man on earth um mm-hmm. i don't and in know. the book they're they're vampires okay in the book or, they're vampires so they're all they, creatures speak yeah and they, i mean they're they're just terrible you know the seemingly terrible creatures and he's the only one that isn't like that mm-hmm. but he does go out and like kill them when he can and eventually he gets captured by spoilers i i'm really getting tired of saying this by the way spoilers um well you should stop giving away so many spoilers i need to though it's this is not a review show anyway i'm sorry it's just it's something that's starting to get to me in life um this is not the ter- the word spoilers is new in the american lexicon like only a lot in the last three years has it come about and now like you can't talk about anything without saying spoilers. I think I don't know. It's just I don't know, maybe I'm ahead of the curve, or, or at least ahead of you on the curve. I'd say that's about right. Uh, I'm okay with it. <laughs> but, I, I don't want anything spoiled for anybody. Well, you're cut, you are more progressive than I am, David. <laughs> um, I'm conservative. I'm old school. But uh, but yeah. So uh, so in the story, the uh, vampires eventually capture him and burn him at the stake. At which point he realizes that. He is legend, not in the sense of, I'm legendarily awesome. More legend like, oh, in a world of vampires, the one where 
like where everyone is a vampire. Uh-huh. Just because I say I'm normal doesn't mean that I am normal. I'm abnormal now. I'm the monster to them. I am the Grendel to their, you know, uh-huh. uh, what uh, nationality were they in? Uh, uh, well, uh, I don't know. Hrothgar was their king. Yeah. I can't remember what the, what the land was called. The... Ah, shoot. I don't either. But, you know, to he, he's the uh, Grendel to their villagers, you know, and it's just, and so... I am legend is the realization that he has that that he he was so busy thinking like oh man it's just well these are all these people are wrong this is not how it should be look at all these terrible things they're doing I better stop them whereas from the point of view of the vampires he's he's the monster he's the one that like the children are afraid of because he could come out and get them uh-huh. and so in that sense. I would much rather see a film like that because it really, first off, I feel like it's something that you can apply to our world now uh-huh. in which, you know, I, I <laughs> friend of the show, Jason Eakin, has made fun of me for my uh, discussion of uh, metaphors for American foreign policy. But um, <laughs> I think probably when I mentioned uh, that the new Hulk movie has certain aspects of it. Um, well, I asked her when you you said that uh, uh, I can't now I can't remember what it was, but like Vic Mackey was President Bush and David Acevedo was like Congress or something. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but it was something about the Shield. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but the uh, what was I? Just, oh, yeah. But in I Am Legend, it's just the idea that like if if you're the only one in an entire world of of people or countries or something that disagree with you, you could, who knows, you could still be right, don't get me wrong, but it might require a slight realigning of your thinking to realize, oh, shoot, how must I appear to these people? Yeah. And so... Um, and what is, what is right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing, and, and, and the effect that the apocalypse has on human morality... Um, is something that is that is brought up a lot in these kinds of films, mm-hmm. and um, and I really wish once I had learned what the actual story of I of I'm Legend uh-huh. uh, by uh, Ike Asimov. No, he no, it's by uh, Richard Matheson. Is that the guy's okay, yeah. name? What did uh, Ike, Ike Asimov, Asimov did? I Robot. I Robot. Thank you. Um, I, I am Robot, starring Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so when I learned that the uh, that what the real story was, I was like, I just wound up being frustrated. It's like, if, if the real story, if the actual story had been done with this sensibility, uh-huh. it would have been, you know, it absolutely, I, I think, think would have made my the, top 10. I still really liked the movie. Um, uh, yeah, up until the end. But, uh, I, what I was talking about, what got us into this movie was the, the depression thing. And right. for like a, a big, like, Holiday season movie, the yeah. special effects and the sci-fi and there's action. Yeah. It's really depressing. It really is. Like it's not just about a depressed guy. Like by by the midpoint of that movie, it is really depressing. Yeah, you know. And uh, uh, it's, uh, I'm not going to give away this spoiler, but uh, yeah. just uh, the the relationship between him and the dog is so is so touching. And, oh yeah, and. Uh, and, it, and it's just sad that that's all he has. But yeah. It, and then there's a scene that, speaking of friend of the show, Jason Eakin. Are you going to talk scene, about Shrek? There's a scene that he hated. 
and I love, and I think is like the one of the most the key scenes in the movie, which mm-hmm. is when he is. Uh, this is such a spoiler, but you know what? People saw it. Uh, yeah. uh, anyway, spoiler. Uh, eventually, a woman and her child come to New York and li- uh, and are staying with Will Smith. He's mm-hmm. not the last the last man on earth. On earth. There's there's at least two Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the kid is watching his watching a DVD of Shrek. Yeah. Which uh, clearly Will Smith's character has watched quite a lot. Yeah. In his uh, you know lonely time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Will Smith just starts saying everything that the characters say, yeah, right along with them, yeah. Uh, and it's kind of insane. Like it's not. He, it's and what's sad about it is he's clearly trying to relate to the kid, yeah. Uh, but he's forgotten how. And you get the impression that he probably watched this film with his own child, sure, yeah. And it was probably a favorite of his kids, and so. But now that his his kid is gone. This is kind of all he has. Uh-huh. And yeah, when he's saying the lines along with it, he's not trying to capture the funny inflections. He's just completely dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's insane and really sad. It is not the first scene in that film to start kind of funny and end sad. Uh-huh. I mean, when he talks, like, he uh, he's in a video store and he sees him. He's set up mannequins around the city to make himself feel uh-huh. not so alone. And he's in a video store, and he sees a mannequin over in the comedy section, and uh, he's thinking, like, oh, maybe I'll go and uh, talk to her. So he comes over and uh, starts talking to her like she was, you know, a real woman, and he's trying Uh to pick up on her. And it's kind of funny at first, and then it just turns sad, where he just is pleading for her to say hello to him. Uh, That might be a different scene, uh, but either way, his relationship with this mannequin starts funny, and then you realize... Oh, jeez, he's not kidding. Yeah, that's why... Man, Will Smith is a good actor. I think that might be my favorite performance of his. Have you seen Six Degrees of Separation? No, I that's, haven't. That's a really good one. Uh, not post-apocalyptic, though. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, but uh, back to this sort of shifting morality thing. Right. Um, and, you know, speaking of the Omega Man uh, and Charlton Heston, there's Planet of, Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Which I guess you... Even calling it a post-apocalyptic movie is technically a spoiler, but everybody knows the yeah, yeah. Planet of the Apes at this point. Yeah, um, if for if for no other reason than the climactic scene, right? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's uh, it's it's the same thing. Like, are the apes evil? You know, mm. uh, it, it's it's it, it's hard to say. It seems like. Well, that, that's not talking about the Tim Burton version. Right, right, uh, yes. Because yes. that one was just too too black and white. But uh, the in, in Planet of the Apes, the apes have a society. Mm-hmm. And just like in our society, there are good and bad yeah. uh, people. And But uh, it, that's that, that's part of the, the appeal of that that movie to me. As, yeah. Uh, I, I've talked about it at length, that because it's the... It's so crazy that it's you know that it's a planet of apes, yeah. and that it was made like a while ago before I was born, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's it sort of I didn't realize I, I put off seeing it for so long because I thought it was just sort of like a cultural punchline because that's what yeah. it was often used as, yeah. And uh, not only is it a great movie with uh, one of uh, Chuck Heston's best performances, yeah. Um, it's it's really captivating and intelligent science fiction. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's interesting because I mean this this almost kind of goes uh, a lot in the same way as uh, I am Legend, where he finds there are other people on this on this on this strange planet. <laughs> Shifty eyes, um, but uh, but he's the only one that can talk. He's the only one that's intelligent, and he just even though the apes can talk and they have guns that can fire and they have a society that they've organized um, and they have religion and just, you know, all, all the things of modern society, I would say. So even though there's that, he can't change his thinking and just assumes his own superiority uh-huh. because, well, these are apes. Yeah. I understand they're just like me in a lot of ways, but they're apes. Come on now. And he is, this is my other problem with the stupid Tim Burton one. Yeah. He in the original one, he's more. In a lot of ways, he's more like the apes than he is like the humans because mm-hmm. they don't speak. They don't seem right. They're not. They don't seem to have the intelligence that human beings have in our reality. Right. They seem to have roughly the intelligence that apes have. Right. Which right. is pretty intelligent for animals, but yeah. they're still. Uh, it, they're not treated that much. Uh, uh, differently than we would treat apes if they were a threat to us. Right. And so, so he assumes his his super his moral superiority, his intellectual superiority, even though he's really just like them, except not as much hair. <laughs> and um, and what I like is that at the end, and what's interesting is there's an interest in the film. There's also an interesting indictment of religion, uh, because the apes have learned about this this thing that kind of is is similar to uh, certain certain Christian uh, concepts. Um, and he is just really cynical about it. just like, you guys don't even know. You're just blinding yourself to the truth. Um, and he just, he's very cynical about humanity in general, but then he sees this society and he's like, we're so much better than there. And then, of course, at the end, he, he comes to realize, like, maybe we're not the best uh-huh. because it would appear we've blown up the world and that uh, as bad as this species is, uh, they haven't blown up the world, <laughs> so I guess they've got that going for them. But there is, you know, a certain idea that well, maybe they haven't done that because they're just not that far into their evolution yet. Right. Yeah. Given enough time, still they on will. Horseback. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, uh, but yeah, yeah an I, ape riding a horse is that's the main reason I read the movie because <laughs> it's just such a cool idea, and it's not nearly as adorable <laughs> as one would think. Um, but uh, but yeah, him having that re- that revelation uh-huh. of he thought he was superior the whole time, only to find out uh, that he comes from a species that is infinitely more brutal than the one he's been dealing with. Um, that kind of realization is one that I wish I Am Legend had had. You know, well you 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 uh, you review the movie you saw, not the movie you wish you saw. Absolutely, absolutely. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a wonderful Christmas. Sure. Um- <laughs> Now, uh, now speaking of the of of mankind's failure, the, uh, there's a movie in which certainly mankind led to the apocalypse, and mm-hmm. then uh, even though they later invented time travel, they were still unable to to fix it. And that's Twelve Monkeys. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, which I haven't seen in years, so I'll let you go ahead and. talk I haven't about seen it in. Yeah, I've probably seen it more recently than you, but yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time either. Uh, but they they just. Uh, the 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 hubris of mankind, which is often what leads to the downfall, mm-hmm. uh, clearly in this horribly dystopian and post apocalyptic future where yeah. they're all living underground, and you have to put on these suits to go to go up above ground. Right. Uh, the people in charge are still just as hubristic and 
and and it's their smarmy failure that it leads to the the apocalypse essentially ha- happening uh well uh, i guess we're, we're gonna have to talk about time travel now we should do time travel movies sometime too but i think we have haven't we i don't think so i feel like we have huh it might have been like 100 episodes ago huh. but well uh but they it theoretically have the chance with the time travel to go back and Mm-hmm. And change it, and they've gotten it all wrong. The the cause of the the apocalypse, right. they've gotten. It's not it's not Brad Pitt. It's it's creepy David Morse. Yeah, and, and <laughs> right? who it, was, is, it was David Morse, right? I haven't seen it in so long. Uh, I I don't recall, but I think uh, it, it was. It could have been. Um, now, um, who is David Morse in the film? He's like, a guy. He's not. He he's like a scientist. Okay, and he has this this vial. You yeah. know. Uh, but so little of the story is about him because they got it so wrong. Right. Now, as far as whether or not they actually had the chance to, yeah, to change it, they they probably didn't because within in the theory of time travel that that movie is uh, working under, yeah, it already happened that way. There was no, right. you can't change anything. Right. That's why he's able to, uh, as a boy, see himself get shot and killed right. as a man. Yeah, and what I like about that film is that, as you said, like. They keep, he certainly keeps thinking about certain things. He keeps thinking like, all right, it's clearly this fringe group uh-huh. that brought about the end of the world or, yeah. you know, the apocalypse. Yeah, because Cle- they were spray painted on everything. Right. Yeah. So clearly this must be it. So they're the ones that need to be stopped when in fact it was, granted it was still like a almost kind of a crazy version within the establishment, but still it came from the establishment. Uh-huh. They're the ones that did it. It wasn't this crazy group because... Often crazy groups, they, they can't they can't get it together. They yeah, they don't they don't really unionize that well. <laughs> um, and so like it's it's which you'll find with a lot of uh, Terry Gilliam films, just kind of an inherent distrust of the establishment is in there. Yeah, um, and it's just like yeah, it's probably these guys as you as you mentioned like it's probably the hubris of these guys that's going to bring about the end of the world as opposed to what these guys are telling you, which is that this group over here, they're the ones to be distrustful of. Yeah. Um, but, uh, all right. This is on your list. Uh, well, along those lines, um, there's the Terminator series. Oh yeah. In which, you know, and I guess you could almost say the matrix as well in which the matrix. Definitely. Yeah. Terminator. No, I I guess only one of the Terminators is technically set in, a post-apocalyptic world, right? And I, that's the one I haven't seen, right? But at the same time, did you see it, Terminator Salvation? I did see it. Yes, oh. um, better than I thought it was going to be. Not saying much, but you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. The the Terminator films are are interesting because much you know with this, it's got that time travel element where it takes place in our world, but it is impeded by a post-apocalyptic future. Uh-huh. And so, um, but also just as far as the whole mythology yeah, at least of the, the 12 series, we get to see the post Right, right. World. And then in in yeah, Terminator Salvation, you finally do see it, and uh, doesn't look that interesting, honestly. <laughs> um, maybe that's the idea. I don't know. But excuse me. Um, but yeah, it's just it goes along with that idea that man will bring about the apocalypse. Uh, often, you know, because. Man couldn't, you know, often out. Because you blew it up. What was that? God damn you. (laughs) Anyway, so um, 
but yeah, it's it's just it comes from so I I think so many of these the the apocalypse comes about because men, men couldn't work together because they're suspicious of each other, whether it be yeah. like a nuclear war sure. or uh, they can't agree about global warming yeah. or whatever the case may be, um, which is one of the reasons why. So like uh, the original and I guess maybe the new day the earth stood still is that uh, someone from another planet comes and says, Hey, look, if you guys don't stop doing what you're doing, you're going to destroy this planet and probably others as well. We can't let that happen. And so, um, so, you know, with the matrix and certainly with Terminator, it's not just the way in which technology is developing. That's one thing, but the fact that they're developing technology so that, they can have superiority over the other countries in the world. And, um, and of course, they, just, they realize, oh, oh, shoot, well, to technology, we look like monsters. We look like, you know, uh, warlike creatures. And so, I like how uh, in your version of movies, whenever someone realizes something hugely portentous, they yeah. say, oh, shoot. Ah, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> just, well, you know, I mean, it's not a, hey, David, life's not a movie. When bad things happen, you're not going to say a big uh, proclamation. (laughs) Probably. It's just me like, ah, shoot. And then your throat gets slit by a robot like in that film Chopping Mall. Um, (laughs) Nobody nobody ever talks about that movie, and they should, if for no other reason than because of the the title. Yeah. Um, And we haven't talked about, uh, we haven't yet talked about, like, The Road um, or... Uh, Book of Eli. One of the things that I like about yeah, those I should have mentioned the road when we were talking about Rain of Fire and like fun post-apocalyptic movies. <laughs> Absolutely, it's the most fun one on the list. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, those ones are are interesting because uh, the road even more so than Book of Eli because their take of what a post-apocalyptic society would look like is very different than we haven't even talked about the Mad Max films. I've seen a couple of them. Uh-huh. Um. Which is. Hey, in the apocalypse, yeah, people are kind of unhappy, but man, doesn't it look cool? Um, <laughs> the road doesn't have that. Except it's, there's a couple scenes that look cool. Like what? Like the there's the like the ship in the middle of the highway. There's that entire That's pretty cool. Like they're walking and the entire like background is on fire. Yeah, that's pretty cool. There's a couple cool things. Right. But as far as like costumes and makeup or anything right i mean characters will they, they all they all look like homeless people because as it turns out they are um they're just walking along with layers of clothes pushing a shopping cart because mm-hmm. they've got to get somewhere and just it's it, it reminds me of what i one of the things that i liked about that movie risk cutters and there's not much that i liked about that film mm-hmm. but just the idea of of hell or the afterlife or post-apocalyptic society, it's not going to look interesting. It's going to look to look boring and lifeless. Uh-huh. And that's something that that I, I'm not a huge fan of the road. But in trying to portray that vision, you're almost guaranteeing that people are not going to be not that they're going to be disinterested in your movie, but that they're only going to get into it so much because just like yeah, when things are boring and slow. You're almost guaranteeing that your audience will be limited. Um, yeah. But uh, but I respect that vision because that's probably what it will look like. What's interesting to me about the road is that there's uh, in a lot of post-apocalyptic movies there's the assumption that uh, somehow 
whatever's left of mankind will reorganize itself. Mm-hmm. It, it'll it might look different, you know, and yeah. it, it might be like in the Postman, which is you know not a good movie, but you know there's all these sort of outposts, you know, like little towns. So let me get this straight. What? You say the postman. I did that time. I like to keep you guessing. Okay. All right. Just making sure. Okay. Can continue talking. I'm sorry. Go yeah. Ahead. Go in the ahead. postman, when there's uh, all these little towns, uh, you know, people have sort of, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking at? They sort of migrated toward each other in right. these groups, set up hierarchy and systems of barter or whatever. Yeah. You know, and, it, you know, it, uh, you know, twelve monkeys. Someone had to decide to go underground and right. learn how to build time travel. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, what's interesting to the road, and even what makes it even more uh, terrifying for me is yeah. just the idea that there's n- none of that. It's right. You're pretty much every man for himself. Right. Uh, yeah. And that, and what I what's interesting about that film, along with uh, Book of Eli, because thematically they're very similar, um, is the idea that that you're all you're all alone but you still in the road they refer to it as the fire they carry the fire uh-huh. and that fire that they're referring to is morality uh, like a, a a code of ethics that uh-huh. they really could be uh justified in kind of ditching because it's like all right well we're not going to eat anybody even uh-huh. though the people that eat people are their bellies are full and they're fine we're em- emaciated and about to die but just because the world is over doesn't mean we don't have this code of ethics. And it's, and it's interesting because it, it brings up that, that debate again of like, well, is it even worth having it at that point? I mean, it's understandable if you maybe not kill someone and eat them, but uh-huh. uh, they, they seem to not, like, if they come across a corpse or if they do kill somebody... Um, in, in self-defense, which is right. understandable, they don't eat them. Uh-huh. You know, they just leave them, and uh, and so it's it's an interesting, you know, uh, it, to bring up uh, Christianity again. I remember uh, when the road was coming out uh, in Entertainment Weekly. There is uh, an article about uh, that the that the producers of the road were really pushing the film in Christian circles, like in uh-huh. Christian publications, because. Uh, one of the reasons was the idea of a, not necessarily a black and white morality, but an uh, an unchanging one. That's like, hey, the circumstances, yes, they uh, they kind of blow, but this is the only thing that separates us from animals, and and this is the only thing that doesn't make us evil, or, or whatever the case may be. And uh, and so it's and Book of Eli kind of the same way, actually. Huh. The, the two films are very similar. For an in depth discussion of Book of Eli, head on over to morethanonelesson dot com. And for an in-depth discussion of uh, the last week in television, head over to previously on com. I don't know. I don't like that I have to compete with you for this. Because <laughs> um, they're only going to go with one podcast aside from this one. Right. Uh, I think they're probably going to go with yours, David. <laughs> um, well, so that's... The, if we can take anything from this episode, it's uh, hang on to your morality Yeah. after the apocalypse comes. Yeah. It might help you, uh, you know... Uh, Mid trib. <laughs> um, I guess one thing that I one last thing that I wanted to say, and it's not a it's not a huge point, is that what's what's neat about one thing that I find neat about post apocalyptic films is that within them you can actually within that 
that under that tarp, you can find a lot of different genres. You can find comedy, you can find horror, you can find sci-fi, and in the case of Book of Eli and probably others, you f- you can find uh, a western. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot of very western elements in Book of Eli. I mean, there's uh, this, as you say, like uh, people have congregated into this small town, and one guy. Uh, kind of rules over it. Yeah, and, and the, uh, the the postman essentially is a western. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel and like, like I mentioned those apes were riding horses. Right, <laughs> absolutely. Western. Like like they do in that movie, uh, uh, Stand by Me. Sure. But uh, I don't even know what I mean by that. <laughs> no um, idea either. That's but, why I just uh, said sure. But yeah, uh, and I, I feel bad that we haven't talked about the the Mad Max films. The one that I've seen of the three the most is Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. You watch that a lot as a as a as a young as a tyke. Yeah. Also, AMC shows it a lot, so I watch <laughs> it a lot these days. I think I watched it last month, um, and that one's an interesting thing as far as the idea of of morality as well, because uh, you know the Thunderdome is where two men enter and one man leaves. Because that man is alive. The other man is dead. That's why they say that. I see. Um, it's not like one guy just has to stick around in now, the Thunderdome. Did you, you didn't need to say spoilers before that? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, that one I think I'm fine with. But, uh, but yeah, just... Uh, the Mad the Max films are actually... They're kind of depressing, but they are kind of... They're somewhere in between The Road and Reign of Fire. Because they're very depressing... But they're also a lot of fun, uh-huh. and um, and so yeah. we really uh, I, I enjoy watching them. Um, but like when if you take the time to look at the ramifications of the action that you're watching, you come to realize like, oh geez, this is horrifying. Oh, that I, was an oh geez instead of an oh shoot. Right? No, yeah, it's uh, an oh shoot is what is when the person in the situation realizes oh shoot i'm in the thunderdome all right <laughs> but when you're watching someone in the thunderdome it's like oh jeez i feel bad for that guy i hope i never get in the thunderdome well listen for more explanations about the difference you know shoot no jeez you can head over to more than one lesson.com that makes me sound like some kind of freaking uh you know osmond or something oh i just mentioned the osmonds and marie osmond's son actually just committed suicide oh really yeah Oh, that's sad. It is but sad. That's okay. You can mention the Osmonds. Yeah, that's true. But I, it makes me wonder if the reason I said that is because I saw that story uh, recently. Why am I picking on the Osmonds? I don't know. They've got a lot of tragedy going on. Yeah. Uh, those teeth. Um, <laughs> that's a bad joke. Um, anyway, yeah, you can find Tyler at morethanonelesson.com, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, on Twitter at more lessons. Yep. Uh, you can find me apart from here uh, at previouslyon.libsyn.com. That's L I B S Y N. Liberated syndication. There you go. Yeah, it, that, it, it's going to change though. Uh, we're going to get a real website soon, uh, and of course, we're also in iTunes. Previously on, um, and you know, write us a review. Yeah. Uh, you can also subscribe, of course, to Battleship Pretension in iTunes, which would be great if you're not doing that. Uh, yeah. And and also write us a review. Yeah. Uh, check out our website at battleshippretension.com. Yeah. Uh, follow me uh, on Twitter at the Pretension. Yeah, and uh, you can email both of us, Tyler at battleshippretension dot com or David at battleshippretension dot com. Yeah, uh, there are also um, so there are now six uh, Ask BP videos up 
They're available in the video section of BattleshipPretension.com. The most recent one, uh, Episode 6, that's available on the front page, but if you look to the side, you'll see an Ask BP button. You click there, the other five are there. Or you can go to our YouTube page, which is uh, BP Video 1000. I don't know why that's the one I, I wound up with, but that's what it's called. It's fun. And, uh, and you can find uh, all our videos there, as well as videos that are some of our favorites, uh, which include uh, videos from Mike Schmidt, Pat, uh, Pat Francis, uh, Bill Dwyer, and uh, various other guests that we've had. What about that Paul Rust Arclight video? Is that on YouTube, or is that just uh, on Funny or Die? I feel like it's on YouTube. It's not in our favorites. We've got a lot of Paul Rust on there, Good. but I do, and there's a lot of his art. There's a lot of ArcLight uh, ArcLight PD is what you're referring I've to. I've only right? seen like three of them. I think. Okay, I think he made like six. Okay, and uh, and for those I enjoy them. You can head over to Funny or Die, or apparently maybe on YouTube and look mm-hmm. up Ar- ArcLight PD. And yeah. it's a uh, friend of the show, Paul Rust, uh, doing a hilarious character as one of one of the greeters, uh, the yeah. people who introduced the films at the ArcLight. Yeah, it's it's funny stuff, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so um, so I think that. Wraps wraps it all up. Yes, it certainly does. We've been going for a while. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Just be normal. Testing. Testing. One. Two. Three. Check. Check. Hello. Hello. Check. Check.